You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It is Wednesday, the 21st of September. It is cool and rather grey here in TW11 today. Another fine week of racing, which begins in earnest tomorrow here in the UK with the Cambridgeshire Festival at Newmarket. Lots of good racing for two-year-olds in particular. And with that in mind, you'll be hearing from trainer Carl Burke, who has leading contenders for the Group 1 Middle Park and Chibley Park stakes a little bit later in the programme. But first of all, classic winning rider Sean Levy, who hasn't been able to ride since allegedly failing a saliva test at Sandown Park last Wednesday, has now been told by the British Horse Racing Authority that he is clear to ride so has been booked to do so according to his agent Sashi Wrighton from Friday. A spokesman for the British Horse Racing Authority said the BHA can confirm that Sean Levy is able to ride and will be making no further comment at the time as the matter remains confidential. Sean Levy, I ought to remind you, has been unable to ride in Britain for eight days. That included the final leg of the Racing League. He was in the lead in the jockeys competition and this may have cost him £20,000 because he was overtaken by Safi Osborne's treble in that competition. So it has been costly potentially already. I have been in touch with the British Horse Racing Authority again this morning just to seek any kind of clarification as to samples, B samples, what protocol is, what might have happened to fellow rider Marco Ghiani, whose alleged saliva sample was taken before Levy's and about whom we have heard nothing. And I'm afraid nothing has been forthcoming. They have said they very much appreciate the call. They understand my request. Nothing further can be said. Uh, they again reiterated we do not comment on speculation surrounding investigations or potential investigations. Jane Mangan is with me this morning. Jane, I'm scratching my head, and certainly we don't want to say anything that is untrue, but the information flow is is glue-like, and clearly this isn't a satisfactory situation. The information flow is not flowing. There is no information. We know very little, hence we can say very little. Ordinarily, when you ask the BHA for comment and they reply, we cannot comment on ongoing investigations, but this would appear to be done and dusted and there will be no more become of it. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised that Levy's side haven't um, commented on this, only his, as you mentioned, his agent, Sash Wright, and saying that he has been booked for ride this coming Friday. So um, we're left open to interpretation. And I've said this before, the more silence, the more open to interpretation it is. And this is kind of a case where uh, you're guilty until proven innocent. That's the way the world kind of has gone now with the world of social media and uh, everybody has an opinion. But I would say you mentioned the financial repercussions of him missing eight days. This is a reputational effect as well. And as soon as people hear that somebody has failed a test, you can guess where their minds go. Mm. And I, I don't know for sure whether any test has been failed because that has in no way be, been been confirmed, though the speculation has been has been rife that that's the case. If if we take as read what we have read 
and the rapid saliva testing has been contradicted by a more thorough test, then what does that tell us about the rapid saliva testing and its fitness for purpose, Jane? It tells us we can have zero confidence in said test. This test is designed to um, produce a result within 15 minutes of whether a person has metabolites for banned substances present in their system. So automatically you have a result after 15 minutes. Now, this is a case where we can no longer have confidence in that system. And this goes back as well to Marco Piani. That is ongoing and we still have very little or no information on that case. So I would just, I, I appreciate these cases are individual person by person and we have to be careful with each person's circumstances. But when, as, as I said, when you, you leave, everybody's open to their own interpretation as regards having no information. And uh, it's not really satisfactory, if I'm honest. One thing that was intriguing across my mind that this rapid saliva test was first introduced by the BHA back in May 21. And in the space of two weeks, we've had two very high profile cases. Whereas before now, I haven't really taken note of any one. Is this coincidence or is it something different? Well, we don't know. And, and again, that, that's the frustrating part of it, because if it is the case that two riders within the space of a few days have shown a non-negative reading on a saliva test, it does seem to be a little odd, to say the least. But as we've been told nothing about maybe increased testing procedures, how these tests are administered, we have no context within which to set this. And that's why it's very, it's very hard to talk about it with any kind of degree of accuracy or rigour. It seems um, the BHA might be busy elsewhere, Nick. Well, indeed, the BHA are extremely busy because at the moment they are convening um, 18 industry leaders for these crucial strategy talks, which we are thinking are going to conclude today in a a London hotel. Uh, curiously, they won't tell us who the 18 people are having strategy talks. Obviously, these talks are, are pivotal and extremely important. Uh, for the future of the industry, but quite frankly, and why they're undisclosed or need to be kept in some kind of secrecy, quite frankly, we're not so solving world hunger. We're not solving a world war. Well, here's the thing. I, you can get a back of an envelope and, and you can work out, as, as Bill Barber has done pretty effectively in today's Racing Post, exactly who those 18 people are, give or take a couple of names. But I, I don't really understand the, the reason for, for not disclosing them unless... They're worried that during this period, those people might give an unguarded comment, which might in some way destabilize the, the process. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I'm sure you can you can make your best guess as to, as to who the 18 people are, leaders of all the significant organizations in the sport. And hopefully those talks are proving fruitful and we'll be able to report on some of it during the course of the next few days. The racing over the next few days is excellent featuring the really good two-year-old races at Newmarket, the Cheveley Park, the Middle Park, um, the Royal Lodge Stakes, and much more. And, of course, the, the feature handicap, the Cambridgeshire, on Saturday. I put in a call to trainer Carl Burke, who's got many of his really good juveniles out this week, including Middle Park favourite Marshman, and I felt that that was a, a pretty good place to start. Yeah, he's working very well, Nick. We're delighted with him. Um have had a few sort of uh, niggly little dirty scopes and a few dirty noses and a bit of coughing go through the yard over the last sort of month or so, but um, 
but very happy with him and he's you know scoped for it clean and he's working really well so go there with a great chance I think what was your read of the gym crack do you feel that you were just beaten by a better horse or were you undone by your inexperience or or neither um a little bit of uh, of beaten by a better horse and undone by experience we definitely he only ran as well he'd only ran eight days before um you know, but, you know his first run when he, and although he won by eight nine lengths, Cliff did grab hold of him and and tried to teach him something which we wanted to do. Um, so it wasn't as if he had an easy easy race at first, but he, he won very easily and he showed that little bit of greenness when it and probably hit the front plenty soon enough to, in the gym crack. But that said, you know obviously Charlie's horse is, is very very useful and uh, take nothing away from it. But we put up a very good performance, I think. Swing along runs in the in the Chibley Park. She was your second string when she when she won the the Lowther at York. But I'm sensing it wasn't that much of a surprise to you. No, again, she's a high class filly and she's a she's a big strapping filly. She's all all she's done is improve all all season, all year. Um, she's just got stronger and stronger, and she was always going to do that. She always had the frame to to do that. So um, no, I, we were a little bit disappointed with the run of the favourite, dramatised. But um, as you say, take nothing away from. I feel she did it the hard way. She made most of the running, and um, you know she goes there again with a great chance. Albeit it looks a very competitive um, achievement part this year. Yeah, it does. You got Meditate in there, coming back off that excellent run. Trillium, the uh, Flying Childers winner, Lazoo. It's it's got some depth. I think Trillium's uh, Trillium could be an exceptional filly. You know, to um, Richard Fay's filly is very very quick, and for her to to cut that down and, and she's already proved she stays at six uh, beating we were swing along was fourth tour in the Newbury uh, maiden I think that day I gave the wrong instructions to Will Buick um, to, to hold on to her a little bit and I think if we'd have let her run we wouldn't have beat Trillium but we'd have probably finished second to her what hopes do you have of Holloway Boy? You run him tomorrow over over seven furlongs at Newmarket rather than going to the Royal Lodge which I thought might be his obvious target over a mile what was the thinking behind that? Yeah, as I just said, you know, we've had a few little niggles go through the yard. You know, haven't been 100% happy with a lot of the horses. Holloway Boy was one of those. Um, we couldn't run in the Champagne Stakes because of a dirty scope. And he's just coming back from that. Um, if this race was, you know, if these were, this meeting was another couple of weeks down the line, we could well be going for the mile. But I, I just felt he's not a he's not a slow horse. And I just felt with the race breaking up, we were better off running him back over seven. Um, having not run for a few a good few weeks and then that will tell us whether we're good enough at maybe to go for a, a Dewhurst or not and you've got Poptronic running in the in the Princess Royal you had a bash at the Yorkshire Oaks with her she wasn't quite up to that do you think she's up to this sort of level I do yeah she's a group three winner already this year she's a she's a frame of a filly and, a, and another filly that's going to be even better next year we the owners were very keen to give her a go at York they're York based and um we gave it a go in the group one, but it was just a step too far at this stage of her career. But I don't think she, although she finished last, I don't think she disgraced herself by any means. And, um, you know, she makes three or four lengths up on those group one fillies next year. She's she's in with the shout of uh, getting a place in the group one. So, yeah, the drop back in, in grade will suit and uh, she goes there in good form. And Carl, any time you run a, a once race two-year-old in a pattern race, I my eye is caught because you've got such a, a, a huge depth in Colts and Phillies in the juvenile divisions this season. Electric Eyes has just won a Thirsk novice over seven, and you're, you're popping her into into the rock into the Rockville Stakes. Uh, how confident are you that she's up to that? She's a high class filly, Nick. Um, whether she's quite at that level, 
just yet. We're not sure. I mean, ideally, I, I, I'm not sure why the uh, Oh So Sharp, the Group 3, doesn't come before the Group 2. But, you know, if, if they were the other way around, the Oh So Sharps in two weeks' time, we'd probably be better off going for a, a slightly lower grade race. But, um, look, she's a, she's a very good fleet in the making. She's working very, very well. Um, ground wouldn't want to dry out too much more for her. You know, she, you know, good, good to soft ground is perfect. She was, uh, she did very well to overcome fitness and greenness to, to beat the Colts on a on a debut. Um, I think she she certainly won't disgrace herself, and uh, you know, she's uh, she's a filly for the future. That was Carl Burke on the key chances of his two-year-olds who are running in some of the group races this week in uh, Newmarket. Uh, Jane Mangan is is still with me. Jane, he's got a, a hell of a strong hand, but some serious opposition as well. They're, they're shaping up really nicely, these races. As you'd expect, Nick, yeah, the Chivley Park and Middle Park, they're two um, always seriously well-contested races. And it's interesting to see Aidan O'Brien turning around some horses very quickly from Irish Champions Weekend, most notably meditate after suffering defeat in the Moigler turning around for the Chivley Park. But uh, swing along, very, very interesting after winning um, the Lowther at York. And I was very impressed with her that day. She's a, a big, strong filly, as as Carl Burke was saying. He was he was singing the praises of one of his his key rivals, Trillium. Uh, do you share his admiration for for Richard Hannan's filly? Yes, um, she wore down the Platinum Queen last time. She's not just pace; she's got guts and she's got class. You know, you'd have to respect Richard Hannan in these types of races as well. She doesn't look like a one trick pony, this Trillium. She looks like she's getting better. And that's usually a trait in those top class two-year-olds. They keep progressing no matter how hard the race, they keep stepping forward. And that seems to be the way Trillium falls into that. Um, and I had a lot of respect for the Platinum Queen and she managed to nail her on the line last time. So that Chibley Park is shaping up to be quite a good race. And what do you make of the middle park for two-year-old Colts, Jane? I'm a little bit surprised Marshman's top of the market. I know they're very sweet on his chances, but surely Blackbeard has achieved more having won the pre-morning. Has he though? I mean, what did he achieve when when winning the pre-morning? How how progressive a horse, for example, do you think Persian Force is, having been completely thrashed by Little Big Bear the time before? It was a small field. It was a muddling race, but he basically did it all on his own up the inside rail. And okay, you can say Persian Force would probably reoppose the Antarctic. Would probably reoppose, but this guy's hardened on what will be his eighth run of the year. <laughs> He's tough. Well, Blackbeard, it looks as though he'll go to the Breeders' Cup after after this as well, Jane. So he's not going to be allowed any chance to rest on his laurels. Maybe it's thought that now is the time to squeeze the lemon with this horse, given his given his little foibles. Perhaps he's he's holding his form. So I presume the question is why not run him when he's when he is taking his racing so well. And then you think that Bally Doyle have a lot of talent in their juvenile bracket this year with a view to next year, led by a little big bear who we won't see until the next spring, all being well. So they'll enjoy Blackbeard. And uh, he's, as I said, I, I think he should be top of the market for the middle park, even though Marshman, when he was second to Noble Style in the gym crack, looked very impressive as well. We're going to have a small field. It's going to be tactical. Blackbeard can go from the front play catch me if you can. Let's hope he behaves on the track as he's done so far this year. Well, you sometimes wonder in the in the bloodstock arena whether feel-good stories or stories of horses making lots of money are just that, or whether there's more to it than meets the eye. In the case of Laura Joy's pinhook of a 2,000-guinea foal by Tasleet that she turned into €43,000 yesterday at Tattersall's Island, it, it was, Laura, pure joy for you, wasn't it? 
Um, it was unbelievable. I mean, we had um, we had hopes. We thought he was a nice physical. We thought we might maybe break even, which is all you really dare to hope for. Um, so to for him to go for forty three thousand was unbelievable. Now it's fair to say that you you are a, a pedigree researcher. You know a lot about bloodstock, um, but this is this is your first full scale dip of the toe in the water in in, in this market, isn't it? Yourself. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, sort of thought, if I'm advising other people on what to do, I should probably give it a go myself. And um, Didn't have a whole lot to work with and was just lucky, really, that the way things fell, that I came across him and thankfully it's all worked out. So just tell me a little bit about yourself first. But, uh, I did business and law in uh, university and just to keep my parents happy, I don't come from a racing background, so they said, you got to get a degree first and then you can do what you want. And so I went over to Kentucky then when I graduated, where I actually met a couple of people who were quite instrumental in, in the cold success yesterday. Um, and then went to Newmarket. I was supposed to go for three months to work for Luca Kamani and ended up staying over there for five years, um, where I just got the best grounding and understanding of the industry and um, worked for William Haggis. And then took on a role doing pedigree research with Shadwell. They gave me an amazing opportunity. And... Uh, one thing led to another, obviously, this uh, passing of Shea Conlon last year. And I'm now back at home in Ireland doing pedigree research. So it's brilliant. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't have had a better grounding, in fairness. Tell me about this, this Taz Leak cult then and, and what inspired you to buy him in the first place. Um, so we, I tried to have a go on a couple um, a couple of different foes, as you do. And obviously, was constantly an underbridger. Um, and he was, I saw one or two Taz leads that I liked. Um, I worked for William Haggis, like I said, when he was in training in the last year of his career. And he was just always a bonny horse. He had such a lovely temperament. He wasn't the biggest, but he had an amazing constitution and he loved his racing and he was just really unlucky, I think, not to win a group one. Um, and subsequently, we both went on to Shadwell. So I saw him every day across the, from the office in the Stallion Barn um, where he never lost his temperament either. He wouldn't have even known he was a stallion really and um couldn't get on a foal and my good friend Porik Gahan and Vicky Han- Hancock told me that there was one at Baroda that hadn't sold for 5,000 and did I want to go and see him and he was actually up in the overflow yard across from the links so it was a very dark December or end of November night and Porik and one of the one of Baroda's staff members uh, drove us up there to have a look at him and looking at him in the yard just couldn't understand. I was trying to convince myself that I was dreaming. I couldn't see what was wrong with him and why he wasn't sold. You try and convince yourself, you're like, no, I must be seeing something wrong. Is it dark? I don't know. Um, I don't know if it was maybe just Tazleet was obviously about to have his first runners and people weren't sure whether he was worth taking a chance on. And the mayor hadn't had any runners yet and, and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I went back up to Tats Pork and offered him two grand, fingers crossed, and he, the, the breeder took it. Lucky for me, unlucky for him, unfortunately, but hopefully he still has the mare so he can send her back to Tazalit now. And so, and so what did you do in between times? Who, who looked after him and where did you have him and how did you prepare him? And um, so he actually ended up staying in Newmarket. The weather was so bad, he was there for about three days. It was one of the things that I noticed about him immediately. Um, the ferries kept getting cancelled so he hadn't been out of the box since I saw him on Wednesday night to Friday morning and I thought geez I better take this foal for a walk before he goes home and took him out for a walk and he was, it was like taking a dog for a walk he was just so relaxed and so easy to do anything I don't even know if he'd had a bit in his mouth 
you know, before the sale, and there he was just walking around with my friend's pony bridle on. Um, so Ballinroe brought him home, and we took him to um, Pad Delaney's. He's a friend of mine who has Ballinafad Stud in Templemore. Um, and I met Pat when I was in Kentucky and he worked for Ashford and doing the stallions. He's now set up on his, on his own. Um, and he had said to us, he said to me that he didn't have the facility set up yet to prep him, but we could have him there aboard him until he was going to prep. Um, and then about a month before he was due to go to prep, uh, Pat said, I've got a walker, I'll prep him if you like. So it made sense to keep him where he was comfortable and where he's happy because he was a very, very good, te- he has a very good temperament, but he's a playful cold. Um, so one that needed the right management, you know, I feel like if he if he got a little slap for being played playful, it might go against him. Um, and Paz just had him prepped to perfection on the day. Um, he really deserves all the credit, to be honest. I'd go up and see him when I could, but um, yeah, he was just brilliant. Okay, so what were you expecting yesterday, Laura? It re- really? Really, um, we we thought we put a reserve of twelve thousand euro on him, and we thought if we get twelve, we've got we've paid all our bills and we broke even. And I thought driving home, I have to be happy with twelve. And if he makes twenty, I'm going to have a big party. So I don't know what I'll do now. <laughs> well, you have to have an even bigger party and invite even more people. Um, so you've you've effectively made thirty thousand euros now. For you, what does that mean at your stage of life and at your stage of your career? Um, I actually left out an important part of the story there, actually. Um, so I've made half of that. But he, so I, in January, my, this will tell you what, what it means to me. Uh, in January, my car broke down. Um, Jane, actually, Jane Mangan, who you have on the show, she used to always slag me about my, my little Peugeot um, that was chugging around feathered and temporary. But um, it, yeah, it broke down, couldn't be fixed. So I had to buy a car and um, I still was owing money on it. And... Um, Jerry Horan, who's another good friend, had shown interest when he heard about the bargain buy and he said, did I want to sell half? And in December I said no. And then in January I ran back to him with my tail between my legs and I said, Jerry, will you take half? Oh. Um, so he took half. <laughs> I don't, um, I mean, I, do, I, I don't know whether to laugh or cry really at this point. <laughs> no, it really was brilliant because um, in the last about 10 days I closed on a house in Feathered and had I been paying fully for for the courts there's no way I would have been able to buy the house so um it all really has worked out perfectly and it's brilliant to be able to share it with with a good friend as well so well you found out (laughs) you you found out what friends are for you found out the power of of horses and you've used your bloodstock expertise it's the it's the perfect story Laura thanks so much for sharing it with us and uh, and many congratulations thanks William thanks for calling An important day today in Ireland, Jane, the, the Kerry National at Listowel, part of the uh, well-known Listowel Harvest Festival. Um, I'd, love to, I'd love to get over at some point. It, it really is a good one. It's one of those where the town of Listowel comes alive and people stay down because Listowel is a long way down into the, into the heart of the Kingdom of Kerry. Pat Healy and his family are definitely in the heart of that as well. And if you do go racing, it's more than just a day's racing. I can tell you it's quite an experience well into the night right well even better in which case i'm I'm, i might even try and make it over by the by the end of the week what's going to win the kerry national today uh well joseph o'brien won it last year with a horse called assemble and he's assembled six contenders to try and win back-to-back renewals of the race but discordantly is a non-runner allowing willie mullins's rock road to sneak in as first reserve first reserve gets into the race so he's automatically shot up to the second 
Uh, second from top of the market, Hewick was a dream winner of the Galway Plate for the Shark Cannon. The Shark Cannon will be plotting uh, roads to bigger venues with this guy. And if he can win off top weight, it'll be some performance because he has to give at least £10 all round. Rachel Blackmore and Henry de Bromhead team up with Gabby's Cross for Roger Brookhouse. But if I was to have my few shillings on, I think it might be on Rock Road who sneaks in down the bottom. Well, for a long time in racing, the sport has craved a behind-the-scenes, fly-on-the-wall, dynamic documentary about the sport. And it has one now, beginning on Friday, the 23rd of September, on Amazon Prime. The show is called Horsepower, and it goes behind the scenes at one of Britain's most well-known and, indeed, historic racing stables, those of Andrew Balding at Kingsclear. One of the show's creators, producer-director John Maxey, joins me on the line now. John, uh, this is a, a really interesting piece of work. How difficult was it to, to get this up and running? The, um, thank you, Nick. I mean, it's over two years it's taken to um, get, get to the screen. And only a small portion of that was actually the filming. Uh, and it was, it was, it was not, a, not an easy task. I mean, we were very lucky. This is a co-production actually made with a, a company called Lawton Entertainment. Um, and had it not been for them, you know, this this just never would have been made. So tell me how you, you came up with the idea and, and how you set the wheels in, in motion. So um, I've been working with Equine Productions as a consultant with uh, Dave James and, and Nathan Horrocks, who are the, you know, the founders with Sam Fleet of uh, Equine. And we wanted to do something that was a little bit more ambitious um, to take take the company to the to the next level, uh, and documentary making and around racing. Racing was our passion, so that's where we wanted to to base it. But we wanted to you know do something a little bit bigger than had been done before, um, and that led to a conversation because I mean we weren't you know equipped just on our own to make that happen at a drop of a hat. And I think that's really the the key thing is you know the obstacles in the way of getting something of of this made. Um, we were very fortunate that we were able to get the investment for this. We were trying to, we, we had the idea, uh, and which was to really base something which climaxed at Royal Ascot because it, it needed something that I felt had international appeal. So you decided to, to go to Kingsclear, to Andrew Balding. You've got a, a very interesting cast, as much by as much by accident as by design, as it turns out, because you you hit the you hit the first part of the the Asheen Murphy champion jockey bump in the regulatory road. Uh, how 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 keenly did you realise that that would be a fairly central plank of the story? It's about a week before we were due to start filming, and the news broke that Oshin, uh of his positive test for cocaine from the uh, French authorities. Um, my first thought was, well, knowing that that was likely to come with a six-month ban and that this was one of our central characters in, in a nine- to ten-month filming schedule was, oh, no, that, uh, that you know, we're not going to be able to... He's not going to be riding for the, for, the, for the bulk of this. But then there was the realisation that, you know, and I'm, you know... For Oshin, it was a, uh, uh, you know, a horrible thing to go through, but credit to him. He was prepared to you know, share a lot of that with us. And um, it you know, becomes an episode one. You know, I think, uh, yes, that is, that's probably the, the main narrative that, that drives episode one, one along. And, and then the aftermath, 
in episodes two, three, and four is is you know his response to that um, and you know his his comeback. Uh, and what about the the staff in the in the yard? The the Andrew Balding's large and 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 varied workforce. How how did they respond to being filmed twenty four seven? Well, they weren't twenty four seven. It was really just in the, 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 the essentially they were we were filming them when they were at work. So uh, and and they were very good. I mean, they you know Andrew and Annalisa, we, we they weren't chosen by by accident, as anyone can imagine. They were chosen because. You know, um, they'd worked with Equine Productions on other um, smaller projects, and I knew Andrew and Annalisa, and they were they were amazing. Um, as I think, as anyone who gets the chance to watch will will see, they gave incredible access. And you have from the breeder to the owner to the trainer, to the staff, to the farrier, to the vet, to the jockey, um, to the groom. All of those play their own own role, and we wanted to try to. Our aim was to try to capture that in some way, and, and I think you've you've captured it you've captured it beautifully, John. In terms of what impact you think this might have on the sport, the popularity of the sport, and indeed on other companies wanting to make projects like this, um, how do you think you'll fare? That's, I don't know yet. Um, I mean, just going back to a point you you raised earlier, Nick, about you know the, the challenges in getting this made. Um, we we took the idea around. We wanted this to be um, a streaming platform project uh, because of the scale of it and the ambition of it. I think if, if it had to be done in the reality, an untried project on a terrestrial channel just wouldn't have had the budget and the you know the, the quality of photography that we were able to bring to this. Um, but we couldn't get that. The idea wasn't going to be commissioned. Uh, we had to get it self funded, and only then when we. Got the you know the project was was finished. Um, Amazon Prime took it on, and I'd be you know forever grateful to them. Lawton's existing relationship with them was probably played an integral role, as as Lawton had previously produced um, documentary on Wayne Rooney and Stephen Gerrard, which had both been aired through Amazon Prime. Um, so it, the the phrase which. I was slightly exasperated at times earlier in the year when one was reading, well, racing just needs its own drive to survive. You know, that's what we need. A, I don't think that's the answer to all racing's problems that it is. But B, that's a lot easier said than done. Um, but I'm very grateful that we've got here. In terms of what it means going forward, I mean, it, what would be wonderful is if it is well-received and, and it, you know, and it's popular, which in, then has the effect of bringing broadcasters and commissioners more to the point, to the to the idea that racing can have fantastic stories and is an interesting you know subject in its own right for um, for other broadcast as well as what we get from ITV and, and the racing channels. All right, thanks to John. Jane is still with me, uh, and Jane has uh, advice for you for this afternoon. In addition to Rock Road winning the Kerry National, if that all goes well, the three ten at Listowel may be worth an investment. Is Charles and Philip Burns team up with Shoot First? who looked a very unlucky loser at the Galway Festival. Let's hope he can make it lucky down in Kerry. Shoot first in the 310, a handicap hurdle for the Burns family. Jane, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Wednesday, September the 21st. Back to do it again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.